0: Father, we just praise you and thank you for your tremendous love and tremendous kindness and grace and mercy in that uh, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, that you would not leave us in our state of sin, but you sent your son to pay the full penalty for our sins, to bear our sins in his body on the cross, and we thank you so much And Father, I thank you for this time that you've given us today to come together to worship you and praise you. And I pray as we do so, you would prepare our hearts to receive your word that we might respond as you desire so that you would be glorified today. Lord, we thank you for this time. We commit it to you now. In your son's precious name, amen. Well, unfortunately, this week we've seen, in a sense, uh, evil At face value, with these, uh, with the school shooting, with the death and the wickedness, we've just seen outright evil, outright wickedness. And for each and every one of us, and even those who don't know the Lord, it's quite obvious this is not that it's evil, at face value. But unfortunately, there's evil out there that is hidden at times, that is guised. It it is, it is, uh, it is evil but yet it is portrayed as good. Now in the church, we see that there are many warnings for those who would portray themselves as the Lord's servants, but yet are not, yet are imposters. We've been studying the book of Second Peter, and we've come to chapter 2 of Second Peter, in which Peter makes it clear that there were false prophets who arose among the people, and there will be false teachers who will come in among you. And as I was looking and preparing for that passage, I felt it would be good to look at what our Lord Jesus, while he was on earth, said about false prophets. So in preparation for chapters 2 and 3 of Second Peter, let's take a look in our Bibles in Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to be looking at verses 15 to 20. Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 to 20. And I believe we're going to see how we can escape from being destroyed by false teachers, and that there are actually dangers to entrance into the kingdom, those who are not saved. And there are dangers for those of us who are saved on the narrow road. With that in mind, Matthew chapter 7. And let's begin back in verse 13 because it goes, goes together. Verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad, which leads to destruction. And many are those who enter by it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, destruction or life, right? Um, And he says, and few are those who find it, the Lord Jesus says. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes nor figs from thistles, are they? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Now, today, within the warning that Jesus gives, I believe we're going to see the extreme danger of false prophets and false teachers as we're going to see. And the Lord is going to unmask their deception uh, and make it clear that to us that it is their deeds that reveal who they are. And that their damnation is sure, and thus we need to heed the warnings that our Lord Jesus shares. So, how can we keep from being destroyed by false teachers? Now, some say, well, I'm not that's not a big deal for me. Well, the reality is in many passages of scriptures, we're going to see there are warnings concerning those who would portray themselves to be servants of Christ and yet would not be his servants. The first thing I believe we're going to see is that we need to recognize there is a danger. There's actually an extreme danger. Look at verse 15. Jesus says, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are, as we see here, ravenous wolves. Now, before we look at this command, and it is a command, I think it's crucial that we see our passage in its context. So far in the book of Matthew, King Jesus has been introduced, and the way has been prepared for him by John the Baptist, preaching repentance for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He has called his disciples to follow him, and then we come to the teaching of King Jesus, affirmed by the miraculous. We see this portion is called the Sermon on the Mount. That's what we call it. And within the teaching here of King Jesus, we see that King Jesus presents kingdom righteousness, which confronts phony righteousness, which is really lawlessness. Remember, Jesus is speaking to Jews who are in spiritual darkness, who thought they were saved, but yet they were being misled willingly by the Pharisees. And Jesus has unveiled the hypocrisy of the Pharisees' lives and their teaching and the fact that these Jews had bought into it, actually. Indeed, the Lord Jesus consistently throughout the Sermon on the Mount has unveiled the fact that most of them that are listening are not in the kingdom yet by showing what someone who truly is in God's kingdom looks like, the truly blessed. And it's at this point that Jesus summarizes the teaching in the Sermon on the Mount in verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate. And the reality is Jesus has made it clear that they are to believe in him. He is the narrow gate. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no way to enter into eternity with the living God apart from going through Jesus Christ by faith in him. He is the only way to enter. And Jesus commands his listeners to enter through the narrow gate, which in context is through faith in him. And he, it clearly reveals the reason why one must enter through the narrow gate. Because there are only two gates, there are only two roads, there are only two destinies. There is narrow and broad, life and destruction. So my question would be, what road are you on? What gate have you entered? Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate. There is no way to have a relationship with the living God apart through faith in Jesus Christ. Apart from recognizing someone's sinfulness and need of a Savior jesus christ and at this point i believe he gives us a warning a warning threats to entering to the narrow gate and threats to those who are on the narrow road those who have trusted in christ are on that narrow road to eternity threats that come about verse 15 beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves this term beware of or this phrase comes from two greek words pros echo and apo and pros echo speaks of turning your attention to look to heed something but for the purpose here of turning away apo from beware and this beware means pay attention but pay attention so that you will turn away from it that's what it's talking about and what are we to be, what are we warned about that we need to turn away from Beware, pay attention to turn away from the false prophets. Now we're going to get into the term false prophet in a moment. And as I mentioned in our study of Second Peter, chapter 2 and chapter 3 have to do with the threats to the word of God. The threats to the word of God. Now the term prophet spoke of one who spoke forth in a biblical context the word of God. Prophets were those who spoke for God. They were those who were sent by God and given words by God to speak to God's people. They were those who said, Thus saith the Lord. They brought forth His word. An example, we see that in Jeremiah chapter 23, the Lord reproves the false prophets, those that He did not send, because they did not speak His word or turn His people from their sin. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 22. But if they had stood in my counsel, the Lord shares... Then they would have announced my words to my people, and I would have and would have turned them back from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. Remember what we saw last week in Second Peter chapter one, verses twenty to twenty-one. But know this first of all that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Spirit of God spoke from. God are moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. Now, along with true prophets, there have always been false prophets. There have always been the false, along with the true. We've seen that. And that's what we're being warned about in this passage. Beware of the false prophets. The term false prophets, pseudo-prophetes, it means false or untrue. They're not the real thing. They're not the real thing, but they are portraying, portraying themselves to be such. They're portraying themselves to be such. Again, our passage in Second Peter, which we'll look at, Lord willing, next week, but false prophets, chapter 2, verse 1, also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. You know, it's hard for us to recognize, as we're going to see, that there are bad people who are impostors who portray themselves one way but are actually something different, and we are warned against that. Again, when we see outright evil, we spot it as outright evil, but yet there is evil that is, that, is, that is covered. Evil in the context of imposters who would be false, as we're going to say. Who would be false. Sadly, there were many false prophets in the Old Testament, and guess what? False prophets actually revealed where people's hearts were. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 5. Jeremiah chapter 5, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Jeremiah 5, verse 30. If people didn't love it, false prophets wouldn't have a hearing, would they? False teachers wouldn't have anyone listening if the people didn't love it. They didn't want to hear it. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 30. An appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule on their own authority. And my people love it so, and my people love it so, the Lord says. But what will you do at the end of it? What will you do when it is manifest and there's judgment? That's the implication. Then I've shared uh, Jeremiah 23. Go down there a little bit. Jeremiah 23, verse 16. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Jeremiah twenty three, sixteen, do not listen to the words of the prophets who are prophesying to you. They are leading you into futility. They speak vision of their own imagination, not from the mouth of the Lord. They kept saying they keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord has said, You will have peace. There's a real key, as we're going to see in spotting bad guys, is when someone is in a not in a right relationship with God because of their sin, the bad guys say, Hey, you're good. You're okay. Everything is fine. Everything is fine. And everyone who walks in the stubbornness of his own heart, they say calamity will not come upon you. And you can look down at verse 20. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has performed and carried out the purposes of his heart in the last days. You will understand it. I did not send these prophets, verse 21, but they ran. I did not speak to them, but they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, and I shared this earlier, then they would have announced my words to my people and would have turned them back from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. And you can just keep reading on and on, but you see the, the mindset of these false guys un- unveiled, unveiled. Sadly, we see not only in that Israel was riddled with false prophets, uh, the New Testament gives us continual warnings about false teachers false, and false brethren and even false prophets. Here in our text, Jesus himself warns us, beware of the false prophets. Paul warned the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, verses 29 and 31. Paul also warns us in Romans 16, Galatians 1, Galatians 3, 2 Corinthians 11, Philippians 3, Colossians 2, Titus 1, and 2, 1 and 2 Timothy. The apostle warns us in 2 Peter chapters 2 and 3, which we're going to be looking at. And we are warned by Jude... We are also warned in chapter 2 of Revelation. The reality is God's Word warns us continually about false prophets and false teachers. Now, but I need to warn us also as we look at this that we don't become unbalanced in our understanding. Some people will hear a message like this about false teachers, and they'll spend their, their, their Christian life will be focused on spotting things and doing all this stuff rather than submitting to Christ and obeying Him and walking in His Word and just being aware when those things come about. If you find yourself after this message being all about looking for false prophets, something is wrong. We need to be aware. But that's not the focus here. The focus is we need to be aware of those threats to our walk with Jesus. And I walk, with, I walk with him. So with that in mind, yes, we're going to see warnings and we need to be aware, but it needs to be balanced in light of Scripture. Balanced in light of Scripture. I find often when things are unbalanced, you'll find one doctrine or one element being elevated above everything else. And the reality is, week after week as we go through the Word of God, it's about walking with Jesus Christ, trusting and obeying him. But yet there are threats to that, that God warns us about, as we will see here. The reality is, along with his true voice, through his word, by his true servants, there are those who falsely and deceptively proclaim and twist God's word. And Jesus says here, beware of the false prophets. Now, why would God allow false prophets? We gain insight into that in Deuteronomy chapter 13. Turn to Deuteronomy 13. We gain insight into why he would allow people to speak falsely for his name. Why would he allow that? Deuteronomy 13. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams rises among you, notice this idea of arising among you. These false prophets, they they come up. They all of a sudden begin to appear. They arise among you. And gives you a sign or a wonder. And the sign of wonder comes true. Wow, it even comes true. Concerning which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after... Other gods which you have not known, let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of the prophet, that dreamer of dreams. Notice what he says here in the second half of verse 3. For the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. He allows that false voice there to see if you love him or if you love that. If you love that. And again... I believe we're going to see here in our passage that false teachers, false prophets are a threat not only to entrance into the kingdom, but they are a threat to our walk on the narrow road as believers. You see, God's word is what he brings us into a relationship with him through the gospel, the truth concerning Jesus Christ and false teachers, false prophets change that. They mess with it or they lessen it but they also attack the scriptures too in a way of lessing demeaning or whatever it might be, twisting so that we wouldn't grow in the grace and knowledge or omitting so that we wouldn't grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. So here, we're going to talk about this in a minute, but notice he says, beware the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. We'll look at the sheep's clothing in a second, but notice Jesus says, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. That is a very descriptive term. The term ravenous speaks of viciousness and destruction. And if you have ever seen an animal, you know, attack another animal, uh, if you've seen a wolf attack a sheep, whatever it might be, it is, it is, it, they destroy, they kill, they are out for their own completely. Now this word also carries another sense of someone who, this word translated ravenous, of a swindler or a robber. Someone who is violently greedy. Someone who is violently greedy. Inwardly, these false prophets, Jesus says, are ravenous, vicious, destructive. They are violently greedy. On the inside, on the inside. Now, certainly... Wolves would sneak up on the sheep and they would violently devour them for their own gain. And so did these false prophets. Indeed, the Apostle Paul uses the same terminology in Acts chapter 20, where he says, I know, verse 29, after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. You can't see it here. But Jesus is saying on the inside, they are violently destructive for their own greed. That's what's going on on the inside. And you see, it's hard for us to to think someone is that evil unless there are outward realities that seem to show that, like the, the, the horrible evil we saw in Florida. But there is evil. But here it is hidden, as we're going to see. It is on the inside. And they are eternally dangerous. They're eternally dangerous. Remember, this command comes right after, enter the narrow gate, because the wide gate, the broad road leads to destruction. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Warning, warning. There are threats to your walk with Jesus Christ. There are threats to your walk with him. As we've seen in 2 Peter, it is by God's word that we have everything we need pertaining to life and godliness, but yet there are those who would subtly twist, change, lessen, or omit so that you would be threatened. And it's for their own benefit. Now I ask you today, where is the genuine concern these days in churches for false teachers? Now I'm not talking about... Bandwagon churches or ministries that focus all their teaching on pointing out false teachers and stuff like that I'm not talking about that Sadly that concern is not balanced And these churches draw in the externalists who who desire to hear about bad guys rather than to have their own Lives changed, that they would love and walk rightly with christ But where is the concern where is the concern? I rarely hear of elders in churches who are protecting the flock by silencing storytellers and movie clip preachers from the pulpits. Rather, elders are allowing false teachers or deceived brethren to shipwreck the faith of believers all the time. Now it seems this way in the evangelical church. The seminary I went to, the same thing. Seem to be unconcerned about what Jesus says. Turn your attention to get away from, to get away from. Take heed to get away. Turn to Philippians chapter 3. And again, there are many warnings, but these warnings are not here so that we would be focused on the warnings and focused on false teachers. We're to turn away that we would be trusting and walking with Jesus Christ. We're not to be false teacher hunters and focusers, right? We should be trusting Jesus Christ and aware of those threats to our walk with Jesus Christ. Aware of those threats. Philippians chapter 3. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again to you is no trouble to me, but, and it is a safeguard to you. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision. Beware! Watch out. Watch out. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, the apostle Paul tells Timothy that he would be a good stu- a good servant of Jesus Christ in pointing out these things to the brethren. So let me ask you this. Have you ever grasped the danger associated with those who would pervert, lessen, or twist God's word? Those who would leave out or or not share completely what God would have have in his word? We need to turn our attention away from these. We must recognize, first of all, there is great danger. And you say, okay, I understand that. There's danger here. I I understand that. But how can I have a balanced view and spot these false teachers when what Jesus says is happening on the inside? He says internally they're bad guys. I can't see what's inside you. I can't see what's inside them. How can I know and understand who they are? Well, notice, first of all, God reveals their true nature. They are counterfeits. Again, verse 15. Beware of false prophets, the false prophets, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You know, folks, it is easy to spot outright heresy. It is easy to spot the denial of Christ. It is easy to spot the cults. But it is not so easy to spot those who look like his shepherds, who look like it but are actually not on the inside. Beware the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. Now the term sheep's clothing describes the fact that they are imposters. Imposters. The term sheep's clothing or would be a shepherd's garb. A shepherd's garb would be the woolen outer garment that a shepherd would wear. They are dressing up as shepherds. They are portraying themselves as shepherds making themselves out to be shepherds of God's flock. They portray themselves to be genuine shepherds. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. The reality is there are imposters. There are imposters. Look at Jude. This is right before Revelation in the end of your Bibles. In Jude, right before Revelation, one chapter, uh, Jude is writing and he shares the danger. And again, you know, we've shared, because there's many passages about false teachers, we've shared that here from the poll because it's in Scripture. But we are not to be focused on that and be the the false prophet hunters. We are to recognize there are dangers to our walk with Jesus Christ, and beware, and beware. Jude, verse 3 in Jude. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write, appealing to you that you contend earnestly for the faith which was Once for all delivered to the saints. The faith is the body of truth that was delivered once for all to the church, to the saints. And notice what he says, verse 4. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed. He said those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly persons who turn the grace of God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ people have crept into the church jude was saying by his spirit's empowerment by his, by his inspiration there were those who would creep into the church and they would turn god's grace into a license to be sinful and a license you see second timothy chapter 3 verse 13 but evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse and imposters deceiving and being deceived Turn to 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13. For such men are false apostles. Deceitful workers or workers of deceit. When you think of deceit, someone is trying to deceive you, right? He says, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. They disguise themselves. And he says here, And it's no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore it is not surprising, or we shouldn't marvel, if his servants, that Satan's servants, also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their deeds. They are impostors. They are false prophets who come to you in sheep's, clothing they are bad guys and in the context of the jews he was speaking to who were these bad guys that jesus was speaking of they were the scribes the pharisees and the sadducees all of them who portrayed to be the lord's shepherds those who would be leading the lord's people beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing now this is key to understanding the who we are to watch out for. First of all, they actually claim to be following Christ. They're going to be claiming the Lord. Okay, It's key to and notice they are eternally dangerous. They come to you in sheep's clothing. But then we have their motivation, and we've already looked at this, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. On the inside, there's something totally different, what they portray. Just because someone claims to be the Lord's doesn't mean the heart is right, and there's going to be a way to spot it, as we're going to see. The Lord Jesus reveals their inward motivations that we cannot see. I can't see it. You can't see it. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, he talks about those who are paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of hypocrisy of liars have their own consciences seared as with the branding iron. their consciences are seared. They have no guilt for what they're doing, by the way. We see that. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, we see that they are depraved of depraved mind and deprived of the truth that suppose that godliness is a means of great gain. Hey, being godly gets me gain with God rather than submitting to the God of the universe that allows us to be like his son. We saw in Second Peter very clearly what these people will look like. Actually, let's go to Second Timothy chapter 3 because you have a picture of them there. Second Timothy chapter 3. So Jesus reveals in the heart that they're inwardly like like rabid wolves and in other passages of scripture we see what's really going on on the inside and it helps us understand the danger. 2 Timothy chapter 3. But realize this, verse 1, that in the last days difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, Ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of God, treacherous, reckless, con- conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. You think you could spot these guys right away, right? But notice what he says. Holding to a form of godliness. They have this external godliness. They hold to a form of it. Although they have denied its power and avoid... Such men as these, beware to turn away, avoid them. For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And just as Jonas and Jamb- Jonas and jambas opposed Moses, so these men oppose the truth. Men of depraved mind, rejected as regards to the faith. But they will make, will not make further progress, for their folly will be obvious obvious to all as it was with those came to be and then skip down to verse 13 but evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse deceiving and being deceived it's just the reality but we can't see the heart but god shows us what it is turn to second peter and this is what we're studying right now in our our study of second peter turn to second peter chapter two I'm not going to read the whole, the whole chapter, but I want to point out some pieces here that show where the heart is at in these bad guys. In verse 2, And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be maligned. And in their greed they will exploit you with false words. They're going to mess up. They're going to mess up the Word of God. They're going to twist it. They're going to change it. And notice down in verse 10, especially those who indulge in the flesh and corrupt desires, despise authority, daring, self-willed, they do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties. Look it down in verse 14, having eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, having a heart trained in greed, accursed children, forsaking the way, the right way they have gone astray, Pretty descriptive of where the hearts are at in these people who claim to be shepherds for Jesus Christ, claim to be shepherds for God. We already saw in Jude that men will arise among them, where people have crept in unnoticed. And then look at Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, verse 29. The Apostle Paul's final words as he's saying uh, his farewell to the Ephesian elders. Acts chapter twenty, verse twenty nine <clears throat> I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Here we see another motive of the false teachers. It's greed and lust, and then we have them the desire to have people follow them. It's another internal motive. So then, there are vile men and women who appear to be on the outside as shepherds of Christ. They promise people freedom, but they themselves are slaves to sin. Outwardly, they look like God's shepherds, but inwardly, they are incredibly wicked. But remember, we cannot see the heart. We can't see it. What we can see is that they are externally in shepherds' garb. So then, we need to understand, first of all, that those who look like genuine shepherds of Christ... We are to beware because inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Well, how do, we, how do we determine then? Is everyone who says they're a shepherd of Christ a bad guy? Well, I praise the Lord. The Lord Jesus shares here specifically how you can spot them. There's no doubt here how we are to spot them. Notice what he says in verse 16 back in Matthew chapter 7. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor a bad tree produce good fruit. He says, you will know them. You can't see the wickedness on their hearts, which Jesus has revealed, because he's God and he sees it. But you, we, will know them by their fruits. The term know, epinosis here, speaks of a a full knowledge in in the context of relationship. I'm going to see it. I'm going to know it by what I see. You will know them by their fruits. And notice at the end, verse 20, so then you will know them by their fruits. Jesus is making a very simple point here as we're going to see that the fruit of those false prophets will reveal who they truly are. And notice he illustrates it. Uh, you will know them by their fruits. Verse 16. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes nor, nor figs from thistles, are they? The obvious rhetorical question. You don't get a grape from a thorn bush or figs from thistles. Thorn bushes spoke of prickly weeds. Thistles spoke of a three-pronged uh, pointed uh, prickly thorny plant. Jesus illustrates how these false teachers, they are like thorny weeds. They're going to get you. They're going to, you know, if you ever put your hand in an area of thorns, boom, right? So he gives us an eternal principle concerning one's fruit will reflect one's true nature. Now this is about false teachers, but there are applications for each and every one of us. The fruit of your life will, will, will reveal what nature you really are, who you are really from. You see, he uses an analogy from his own creation. Good trees bear good fruit. Bad trees bear bad fruit. Verse 17, even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but, every, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. It is impossible, as we're going to see, verse 18, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. It's an example from God's creation that good trees produce good fruit. Bad trees do not produce good fruit. It cannot happen. And obviously, the illustration here in the example is concerning false prophets. You will know them by their fruits because they're bad, right? There's not going to be good fruit It is impossible for a good tree to produce bad fruit and for a bad tree to produce good fruit. The point he is making is that the fruit depends on the true nature of the tree. And again, this not only applies to false prophets, but false believers. Indeed, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has already made it clear that those who are truly in the kingdom will manifest the nature of the king. Because they're in a right relationship with him. If you've come to a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are not always, but you are going to bear good fruit. His nature is going to be manifest in you. Not externally, not the outside, but from the inside, which will affect the outside. And the idea of fruit bearing is a simple one, which I really hardly need to explain. You see, good fruit is produced from a good tree. When the branches abide and rest, simply drawing everything from the vine, they will produce fruit. Turn to John 15. Jesus makes this illustration very clear. Now, as we're going to see, the fruit is not external godliness, but an internal change that manifests in the character of Christ. An internal change. John 15. Jesus says... I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me, now it's an analogy, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean. Now, speaking of being saved, I was you see that back in chapter 13, speaking to his disciples, you're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine, so neither are you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. False prophets and teachers are not abiding in Jesus Christ. So there is no good fruit that will come from it. There's false fruit, there's fake fruit, but no good fruit. And the same thing for each and every one of us. When we trust in Jesus Christ because we have a relationship with him, When we obey him, his his word works in our hearts to manifest the character of Christ in relationships. There is fruit that is produced when we abide in Jesus. Now notice the parallel teaching for this in in Luke chapter 6. This is the parallel to our portion in Matthew 7. Turn to Luke chapter 6. Very interesting parallel in Luke chapter 6 verse 42. Because we're going to see that the fruit that is produced really is, is the result of God's word working in the heart that responds rightly. We're going to see that. Luke chapter 6, 42. Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take that speck that is in your eye. Let me take out that speck that's in your eye when you yourself cannot see the log in your own eye. You hypocrite. You hypocrite. First take out the log of your own eye, and then you will be able to see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor on the other hand a bad tree which produces good fruit. He was confronting the Pharisees who were very religious, and they were pointing out everyone's sin. And he's saying, wait a second, you're hypocrites. How can you take that speck out when you have this log in your eye? You need to have that dealt with first, because no good tree... Uh, There is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor on the other hand a bad tree which produces good fruit. That's verse 43, 43. Verse 44. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart, notice the description, brings forth what is good. It's a changed heart. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. You just saw the insides that Jesus spoke about in the false teachers but we can't see it, but it's going to manifest in their deeds. For, out from his mouth, for from the mouth speaks what fills the heart. And notice what he says, verse 46, very important. And why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts upon them, I will show you what he is like. And that's the illustration of one who built their house on the rock, who hears the word and they're stable. And those who hear but don't obey because they're not changed, they're heading for destruction. Jesus equates good fruit with obedience and hearing the word and acting upon it. If you are a true believer, you receive God's spirit and the ability to understand and know his word and apply it to your life on a daily basis. And as we trust Jesus, there's going to be a manifestation of good fruit in our lives. Not always but there will be fruit good trees cannot produce bad fruit bad trees cannot produce good fruit look at galatians chapter 6 or 5 we know this passage galatians 5:22 but the fruit of the spirit is what religiosity legalism no not at all finger pointing at everyone no but the fruit of the spirit is Love. Love. You'll know them by their fruits. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's no law. You'll know them by their fruits. Right? In uh, Ephesians chapter 5, we are to walk as children of the light. Because the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Philippians 1 verse 11, the fruit of righteousness comes through Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, we see the worthy walk of a true believer. It is going to be pleasing and it will be bearing fruit in every good work. Colossians 1 10. If your life is not manifesting the fruit of genuine trust in Jesus Christ and his word working in you, maybe you're not the tree you thought you were. Good trees do not produce bad fruit. Even so, every tree bears good fruit, but bad tree bears bad fruit. Now think about it. Sometimes that fruit bearing takes time, doesn't it? You don't go out in your backyard and see an orange on your orange tree right away that day. There is a process that you see, but eventually you see that is good fruit. That is good fruit. He says a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor a bad tree produce good fruit. You can spot the false by the fruit. That's what he's saying. And the same goes for false believers. If there is no genuine love in your life through obedience to the word of God, not in a hypocritical, self-righteous way, but a genuine love for God and his word and his people, maybe you're not the tree you thought you were. Maybe you're not the tree you thought you were. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. Now, concerning these false guys, I think there's a few ways in which you can spot them. There is character in their deeds, bad fruit in their deeds. There's bad fruit in their words, and there is bad fruit in their converts. I think we're going to see that. We've already seen in the Sermon on the Mount earlier in chapter 6 that the bad guys that have bad fruit that pretend to follow Jesus are those who want external accolades for their religiousness. Look back at Matthew chapter 6. Bad fruit is wanting people to see you religiously. That's bad fruit. That's bad fruit. Chapter 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Beware. You better watch out if that's what you're doing. Notice a little farther on. When you give, therefore give alms, do not sound the trumpets farther down. Before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues that they may be honored by men when you give don't make something out of it So that people honor you that's bad fruit bad fruit And verse 5 and when you pray you are not to be as the hypocrites For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners in order that to be seen by men Truly I say they have their reward in full bad deeds They want people to recognize them. They're doing it for the external accolades. It's hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. You'll know them by their fruit. They put on a show. They put on a show. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of shows going on in churches these days. A lot of showy sermons. But a lot of people disobeying God. How so? They're not preaching the word in season and out of season. They're not obeying the command to speak the very oracles of God, 1 Peter 4, 1, 4, 11. They are disobedient. They are saying, Lord, Lord, but yet they're not doing what he says. You'll know them by their fruit. If a pastor is continually, habitually disobedient and not sharing the word of God, reproving, rebuking, and running with great patience and instruction, that's bad fruit. That's bad fruit. There are disobedient, worthless shepherds who do not share God's word, who do not announce this word to his people, but but switch it around to make it about you or whatever it might be. Ezekiel 34. Turn to Ezekiel 34. You'll know them by their fruit, their deeds. If these shepherds are not obeying the Lord Jesus in feeding the flock, that is an evidence that there is not good fruit. There is not good fruit. Ezekiel 34, and and are we to go out and run around and point everyone out? No, we're to beware of them and turn away. That's what God tells us to do. We're not to be false teacher hunters or pointer-outers. We're to be just turning away from them. That's what we're to do. Ezekiel chapter 34, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, thus says the Lord, Woe to you shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? That's your job, feeding the flock. When you have people teaching and preaching and showing movie clips and all this stuff about everything and a verse here a verse here, but they're not feeding you the word of God, they're being disobedient. They are like what we see in Jude and in Second Peter, clouds without water. You think you're going to get rain. You think you're going to get a meal from the word of God and you don't get it. Clouds without water. Also, there are those who do not reprove, rebuke, and exhort as they're commanded. You'll know them by their deeds. Are they reproving you? Are your shepherds reproving you? Are they they, um, exhorting you? Are they instructing you with great patience and instruction? They are bad trees, therefore they produce bad fruit. It's that simple. Just, and Jesus says, beware. They look like shepherds. They got the clothes on, but their fruit stinks. So you'll know them by their deeds, but you'll also know them by... Their words You know them by their words. They will say Lord, Lord, but they won't obey. We saw in chapter second Peter chapter two, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies. In second Peter chapter two, verse three, and in their greed they will exploit you with false words. You'll know them by their deeds. You know them by their words. In their greed, they will exploit you with... The term false there is a plastos. It's where we get our word plastic. Molded words they will exploit you with. And look at a sermon these days in many evangelical churches. They are just molded words to make you feel good about your relationship with God. There's no conviction of sin. Beware. Beware. Second Peter chapter 3. Turn there, Second Peter chapter 3. And again, we only teach about this when we come to it in the Word of God, and that's where we're at in Second Peter. In this church is not about pointing out false teachers and all this stuff, but when we get to it, we teach it. So therefore, we also ought to not be about pointing out false teachers everywhere. We ought to be about following Jesus Christ and obeying his Word and be wearing. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 15. And regard the patience of our Lord to be salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, wrote to you. As also in all his letters, speaking of those things in which some things are hard to understand. There are elements of scripture that are difficult. But notice what he says. Which the untaught and unstable distort. They distort the word of God. You'll know them by their words. As they do the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand. Knowing there's going to be people who distort the word of God. You know this beforehand. Be on your guard lest you be carried away by the error of unprincipled men you fall from your steadfastness. Take heed you who stand lest you fall. You can be carried away by it. It's very seductive. Titus chapter 1, uh, he says, There are many rebellious men, empty talkers, deceivers, especially the circumcision, who must be of silence because they're upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach for sordid gain. You'll know them by their deeds. You'll know them by their words Jude talks about them turning the grace of God into licentiousness they talk about the grace of Jesus Christ the cross of Jesus Christ but they use that in a way that makes you feel okay about your sin you can go on and live your life in sin and you're okay that's not right Jesus saved us from our sin and he saved us to become more like him and he's doing that and bad guys will take you hostage beware beware Colossians chapter two verse eight. Turn to Colossians two. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Galatians Gepsi. Colossians two. See to it that no one takes you captive. That's a takes you prisoner. Captive. Through what? Philosophy and empty deception according to the traditions of men according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. There are false guys who will use the world's principles, they will mix it in with the Word of God, and they will try to take you captive, because it appeals to your flesh, it appeals to your old man or woman, it appeals to that. Be on guard. You will know them by their fruits. Acts chapter 20, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples. very subtly twisting things, very subtly To pull away disciples after themselves. You will know them by their fruits. They're bad trees, therefore they produce bad fruit. Jesus says you can spot them. You can spot them. Spot them if you're willing. Well, there's one last area I believe you see that that we'll see there's bad fruit, and that is fruit in their converts or followers. You see, the fruit of the ministry of false prophets is false converts. The fruit of the ministry of false prophets and false teachers are those who name Jesus' name, but yet don't obey him. Lord, Lord, but don't obey. That's the fruit. Again, look at uh, Luke chapter 6. Let's take a look there. Luke chapter 6. Verse 43. For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit. On the other hand, a bad tree which produces good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, and they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. The evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks that which, is, which fills his heart. And why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? That's the bad fruit. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts upon it, and I'll show him what he is like. And then look in our passage back in Matthew. The very next section is the bad fruit the very next section. Look in Matthew chapter 7, verse 20, and I'm going to read forward. So then you will know them by their fruits. And he's going to explain what their fruit is. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Those who are teaching and preaching God's word, focused on Christ, rightly divided by the Spirit of God, for the true believer, are going to res- they're going to respond and grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. The false person is going to say, Lord, Lord, I think I'm good with you. Notice what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, the Lord says, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and your cast out demons and your perform any miracles? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness or sin. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, he gives the illustration and acts upon them. The fruit of false teachers is a bunch of converts that don't obey Jesus. That's it. They go to the same churches, they hear the same messages. Now, certainly, you can have a good church with the word going out and people who aren't obeying because they're not truly saved. Recognize that. But the fruit of false teachers are those who are just like them they don't obey the Lord. Jesus says you can spot them. Back to our passage. Notice they're destined for eternal fire. Verse 19, Matthew chapter 7. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Cut down, thrown into the fire. You might remember from Matthew chapter 3 that uh, John the Baptist makes clear that the axe is at the root of the tree. That judgment is about to come to those who are phony baloney Christians. Judgment's about to come. Let's turn there, Matthew chapter 3. If you're a phony baloney Christian, as evidenced by bad fruit, you're on the precipice of judgment. Matthew 3, verse 7. But when he, this is John the Baptist, saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, now he knew they were phony, boy They're hypocrites, religious on the outside, inside wicked, right? You brood of vipers, or you, 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 brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bring forth fruit in keeping with repentance. Or do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, "We have Abraham as our father." For I say to you, God is able to make able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. And the axe is already laid at the root of the tree. Every tree that therefore does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Sounds familiar, right? As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, and his winnowing fork in his hand he will thoroughly clear the threshing threshing floor, for he will gather wheat into the barn, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Good trees produce good fruit. Bad trees produce bad fruit. If you're a bad tree, you're going to be cut down and thrown into the fire. It's that simple. For some of you, you call him Lord, Lord, but you don't do what he says. It's because you haven't had a change on the inside. And God is gracious to show you that, that you need to go to Jesus. You need to recognize you're sinful, that inside your heart is not manifesting truly a real relationship. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. So notice as we finish, he says in verse twenty back in Matthew seven, so then you will know them by their fruits. It's the obvious conclusion. Beware of the false prophets. They look like shepherds, true shepherds, but they're they're not. Because good trees don't produce Bad fruit and bad trees don't produce good fruits. So then you'll know them by their fruits. Oh, how naive and how disobedient many Christians are to this command to beware. If someone says Jesus, they think he's from the Lord. If someone appears to be passionate about Christ, they automatically believe what he says. Oh, he's so spiritual. They re- and they follow these people. But we are to beware. We are to beware. You'll know them by their fruits. So today we've seen Jesus warn us about the dangers to entrance to the kingdom and also the dangers for those on the narrow road. So how does this apply to us? First of all, the most obvious principle is that good trees do not bear bad fruit and bad trees don't bear good fruit. Let me ask you today, are you in a church where the pastor's fruit stinks? Where he doesn't preach the word? Where he substitutes stories for his own, for, in his own wisdom for the word? Where he doesn't address sin, where there is rampant disobedience in the church that is not addressed, it's bad fruit. Of course, he says he loves Jesus. Of course, he wants to evangelize. That's the fake, phony shepherd suit. It's the fake, phony shepherd suit. Are you in a church where the pastor has introduced destructive heresies such as the shack or purpose driven life? Beware. Turn away from these men, they're dangerous. You'll know them by their fruits. We need to recognize how dangerous false teachers and false prophets are, and we need to see it and turn away from them. Some of you are entertaining things on TV. Confess your sin, turn away from them. There are people on TV that are very bad. The fruit is very obvious when you hear the message they're giving. Very bad. Turn away. Some of you are reading books that are very bad. It's bad fruit. The people are bad. What they're saying, confess your sin, turn away from them. And some of you are actually in their churches. Confess your sin, turn away. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. How else does this apply to us? In a general sense, if you claim to be a true believer, there should be fruit. If you have been saved by Jesus Christ, if you have truly trusted in Jesus Christ and you have been born again, you've received a new life, you're you're a new creation in Christ, there's going to be his character manifest in your life. A good tree doesn't bear bad fruit. And that character is not simply religious deeds externally or knowing God's word or coming to church. That character is the manifestation of His character. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control. There's going to be a manifestation of the life of Christ in you. Are you a good tree or a bad tree? You see, if you're a bad tree like all of us were, you're still in your sin. And what's going on in your heart manifests in your life. And God is gracious. He sent Jesus to die for your sins. If you trust in him, he will save you. And you will then, when you trust Jesus, bear good fruit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the warning that you gave us through your son. I pray that we would not be wrongly, overly focused on these things, but that we would look and see and turn away. I pray for anyone here who is dabbling with those who are false, whether it's through TV, books, whatever it is, that they would spot the fruit of deeds and words and converts and turn away. And Lord God, I pray for each and every one of us that we would examine ourselves. What does the fruit of our lives look like? What is the fruit of our trusting in Jesus look like? You've said very clearly, you will know a tree by its fruit. I pray that we would know exactly where we stand with you. And for those whose fruit is not good, Lord, I pray that they would recognize that you are good, that you sent your only son, that he came and he bore all of our sin in his body on the cross. He died for our sins. And that he rose from the dead. And that whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Lord, I pray for anyone here who doesn't know you that they would call upon your son, Jesus, save me from my sin. And Lord, if they are truly saved, they will, because not of them, but because of you, they will begin to manifest the character of your son when they trust him. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.